What's up, everybody? This is FTW with ImadCon. I'm ImadCon of Tom's Guide, and joining me today on this F1 Esports edition is Head of Digital Business and Esports at F1, Dr. Julian Tan. Hi, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Last month, F1 put on its virtual GP. George Russell of Williams Racing was crowned the Grand Prix champion, making it his sixth consecutive win. As the coronavirus continues to rock the world, virtual racing became a way to still connect with the sport while things were in lockdown. That's not to say virtual racing has just caught its stride. The sim racing esports scene has been active for years with virtual Le Mans, NASCAR, Indy, and others taking place. So Dr. Tan, for our listeners that might not be totally familiar with F1 esports, can you give a quick rundown on how it works and how virtual racing fits into the larger F1 diagram? Yeah, sure. You know, I think that esports for F1 has really blossomed and continued to grow over the over the few years that we have introduced this program. Um, at its very core, I would say that the program consists of what we are calling the F1 esports series which is our professional gaming championship to sort of mirror the real life championship. This is the, what I would say, the virtual equivalent to the Formula One championship, whereby we've got all 10 Formula One teams competing virtually on our official Formula One game in the same way as they would do in the real world. And we've got a championship running where at the end of this series, we crowned a, we crown a driver and a team champion in the same way we do in the real world. But over the years, what we've seen is that our esports initiatives have continued to really accelerate and grow. Um, really, I would say there are a couple of things driving this. Um, one, we have we are, we're in a very unique and special position, whereby our esports initiatives have quite a heavy overlap to our real world initiatives. And what I mean by this is that there are very few gaming titles or esports titles out there where our top athletes, top esports athletes, compete on, you know, in our case, a wheel, a pedal, and a simulator. So it's a very immersive way to be gaming. And this is, I guess, very unique to Formula One and very unique to motorsports as a whole. So what we've been able to see is that some really interesting storylines of being able to use this overlap between the virtual and the real to do things like create supplementary content that is authentic to our core F1 audience to supplement the real world racing to storylines where, you know, our esports drivers, they are transitioning into becoming real life drivers. Most recently, we had Cem Bolukbasi, who is a Turkish driver who was one of our esports stars back in 2017 and 18. He is now driving in Formula 3 in a real-life car. And, you know, I think these sort of really unique strands has helped us sort of um, grow our esports proposition to becoming a real, what I would call maybe a strategic asset for us, where we're able to not only engage a younger demographic to engage in, into the worlds of Formula One, but actually use this in a strategic way to you know, create supplementary content for F1. And more broadly, as we saw over the course of 2020, respond to a very unique situation where our sport was, you know, essentially it had to go dark due to COVID. So, you know, we responded with that with the creation of the virtual Grand Prix, where we would use esports to continue to deliver racing entertainment to our fans um, when our cars could not hit the tarmac, you know, in, in the real world. And, you know, you referenced this early, Imad, where 
Um, earlier this year, um, we decided to bring back the virtual Grand Prix and recently concluded the return of the virtual Grand Prix in the off season. And again, this is this is testament, I guess, to the way that we at Formula One are thinking about esports as how can we use esports as that pillar into our real world motorsports and continue to sort of deliver racing entertainment when you know we we don't have our cars necessarily on track and the off season is a perfect example of us doing that so we most recently concluded the virtual grand prix in the off season for the first time and this time we raced for charity and we had the support of f1 drivers both current past and also future f1 drivers in development drivers who actually joined us as well as wider sports stars the likes of thibaut courtois a massive um uh, football football star so, you know, I think we continue to be really, I guess, agile and innovative about how we think about using esports within Formula One. But the core or the crux of it all is really seeing how we can use gaming and esports to build that pipeline of fans into Formula One, uh, new fans into Formula One, younger fans into Formula One, so that they will eventually, you know, watch a, a real life Formula One race and buy a ticket to watch a real life Formula One race in the future. Mm. You know, I think one question that people might have is, you know, why are, I mean, maybe apart from a charity event, but like, why would a, an actual F1 driver be allowed to compete with, you know, maybe quote unquote, people who are still working up their ways in the sim racing world. Um, you know, isn't it more of an avenue for these sim racers to maybe set themselves apart from the larger, you know, racing ecosystem? Yeah. You know, I think that the, our esports initiatives are, is about opening up that funnel. Um, you know, I think that motorsports as a sport by design is, you know, not the most accessible sport. I oftentimes use the comparison to say tennis or football, where you can pick up a tennis racket or pick up a football and play with your mates in your local court. You can't just, you know, jump into an F1 car in that same way. So we have specific barriers to entry and esports plays a really important role in getting our fans to engage with Formula One in a new way and open up that funnel. You know, I think initially the first kind of direct participation into motorsports used to be karting and karting can be very expensive, mm-hmm. but we're using esports to open up that funnel so that more and more people can take up um, the passion for racing um, and make it more accessible through our, through our virtual offering. So yeah, absolutely. I think that there's definitely an el- a huge element of using this to increase engagement, to increase reach to our fans. Um, And really, even if we can give them a 5% experience of what it is like to be an F1 driver driving a Formula One car through video gaming and through esports, that's, you know, 5% more, that's, that's an infinite amount from before where you couldn't do that at all, right? So... You know, I think it's really that that element is really important. But as I said, as we've continued to explore what esports can continue to deliver to us, we've equally found that gaming and esports has enabled us to unmask our F1 drivers, you know, in a way that when the likes of George Russell or Lando Norris or Charles Leclerc, they're racing in the real world, they're doing that behind a helmet in the real world. But when they pick up the video game and when they're racing on the simulators at home and streaming their lives on Twitch, we're able to provide new touch points, you know, a different side to, to the driver, more human side to the driver, which I think our fans have really enjoyed and engaged with and has really helped, I guess, as well to grow the following of our driver, particularly with, you know, our new fans, the, the Gen Zs, the Gen Alphas, who spend a lot of their time gaming. Mm. 
That last question, I kind of want to flip it on its head, too. So, you know, while some people might think it's maybe unfair for an actual F1 driver to compete in sim racing events, it, it, it seems that in many cases it's actually the other way around, where people who professionally sim race are competing in the game and have learned the nuances of the game, which are a little different than the nuances of the real world, meaning that in some ways it's actually unfair for the actual F1 drivers. It's it's massively different, Emma, I would say. There are parallels, as, I've, that as, as I alluded to, in terms of that overlap between virtual and real. But the reality is it's a video game platform that is very different from you know, um, driving a, a racing car, right? There are elements that obviously translate over um, and translate over in a way that, you know, I would say most other sports um, aren't, I guess, aren't in that position to do. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it is, a, it is a very different platform. And so the professional gamers who are spending eight to 10 hours a day playing the video game, they are, you know, they are the best in the world when it comes to, uh, performing on that platform. So whilst uh, you know a Formula One driver can come onto the platform and can perform decently well, it's still a different platform. It still requires hours to you know um, get used to the different quirks. And because you you know when you're performing at a level where what separates the first uh, person on um, first person to the last person on on a grid is really you know a matter of a fraction of a second. Um, those small differences count. You know, every tiny difference, uh, every tiny mistake you make has a huge um, impact on your on your overall outcome and performance. So, yeah, you know, I think ultimately when you are bringing Formula One drivers and asking them to compete on a virtual platform, you have to expect that they're not going to, that, you know, that that they're not going to be experts on the video game in the same way that you wouldn't expect a professional gamer to be able to jump into a Formula One car and be able to perform at the highest level because they're still very different platforms. But I think the beauty is that there are a lot of similarities that we are able to have our Formula One drivers jump into the Formula One game and and really perform pretty well, really well. Um, and you're still able to kind of create some really compelling content out Mm. of that. And then, you know, for my last question, I want to talk about some of the hate that some of the more mainstream sim racers get. You know, I'm talking about the Gran Turismo's, the Forza's, even the F1 game by uh, Codemasters, where the hard, hard, hardcore sim racers will feel that these games, even though they are simulations, aren't simulation enough like they don't go far enough um and this was even a bit of uh, this caused a bit of like maybe contention when i believe with f1 2019 uh, max verstappen said he didn't want to play the game because he didn't find it realistic enough uh it you know what kind of conversations is f1 having with the development team to try and appease this like super uber hardcore crowd it's a, it's a great question Emma. i think that Ultimately, it is a balance, um, as as is most most things. I think what is quite unique about esports and video gaming is it serves several different roles, um, and some of them are in direct competition with each other, right? And I reference the accessibility element of video gaming with the realism element of video gaming. The more um, the more realistic and simulation base you you create your video game to be the less accessible it becomes. And really that, that is, um, 
you know, those two things, they are in direct competition with each other. I think what we have to be very clear about, and we are with, with our strategy, is obviously the, the Formula One game developed by Codemasters serves a terrific entry route into um, our, our world of Formula One using gaming and, and esports. Um, but at the same time, there is definitely, I think, an area, you know, area where that kind of what I would quote call the hardcore simulation side of things. Um, there is some interesting things that we can do along those strands, whether they exist within the same product. I think that is something that requires further thought and further assessment, because at the end of the day, the Formula One game is a commercially available product that anyone with a PC or an Xbox or a PS4 should be able to pick up and have fun and, and you know, play and, 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 and have fun. And, um, you know, I think that ultimately it is a product that we're trying to make more, I guess, appealing to the masses as well. So I think that there are, there are several considerations when thinking about, um, you know, what the optimal mix of, of objectives are. But, you know, I think that what, how we see it at least is that there are several ways to, I guess, optimize what video gaming and esports can provide us. And it may not necessarily all sit within a single solution. There may be multiple solutions to hit different different objectives, um, all sitting within the opportunity that is video gaming and esports. Mm. Well, with that, thank you so much, Dr. Ten. Thank you very much for having me, Matt. Thank you. And that was FTW with Ahmad Khan. If you like the show, please rate, subscribe, and share. Full transcripts of the show can be found at ftwmod.com. To follow Dr. Tan and keep up to date with F1 Esports, you can find him at JulianLYPYI on Twitter. To follow me and my writing over at Tom's Guide, find me at Imad on Twitter. And Ron Lines is our audio producer. With that, we'll catch you guys next week.